Hello everyone, my name is Kaylin Otto and I am your podcast host for the Unruly Podcast. Welcome back to another episode this week, whether you're a regular listener or this is your first time here. Before we dive into this week's awesome episode, I wanted to remind you that there are a couple ways you can show me a little bit of love for free. So, if you value what you learn here, you feel like you learned a lot, um, you feel like this is really important information, or you feel inspired after listening to one of these episodes, please go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcast episodes and leave me a rating. Um, It doesn't have to be all the stars, but whatever you think it's worth. This is something that you can do that takes a few seconds that really helps me out and reach other listeners who are interested in this content. Also, if you listen to something that you feel like it's totally worth sharing, please just send it to a friend, send it to a family member, post it on your social media, and give me a tag. Well, I hope you get as much out of this week's episode as I did. You'll hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading the love and the joy and uh, reducing our imprint you know for for future generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document their life. Okay. Um, but all right, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for talking me talking to me today. Um, I feel like we're gonna cover different topics that aren't talked about that much, but are very important. So I'm really excited to have you here. Um, could you just do a short introduction? Tell us who you are and what your position is with Fishfield. Sure. Well, my name's Mary Finelli, and I'm the founder and president of Fishfield. It's the first organization organization devoted to promoting respect and compassion for fishes and other aquatic animals and animals in general um, as sentient beings. Awesome. And I just want to tell listeners the reason why I feel like this was such an important topic to have on the podcast, because I think some people are going to be confused, like, this is a travel podcast. You know, usually I'm interviewing people while I'm traveling that I meet, and we talk about all of these different things. Um, But, you know, as someone who lives vegan, and I know other people during your travels and just in your everyday life, we interact with the ocean and we interact with sea life. Um... And, you know, during the summer, I see a lot of people fishing. And when I travel, there's a lot of people who go on fishing trips or go to aquariums um, and different things like that. So I really do feel like these subjects tie together. So I hope that people can listen to this interview and then take, you know, changes that they can make in their own lives while they're at home and while they're traveling and um, apply some of the things, the changes that they can make that you will share with us during this interview. Um, So I wanted to put that together so everyone's not like, why are we talking about this here? (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that you are, Kaylin, and it is a very important subject. And there are fish, there there are more fish than any other other, um, vertebrate, 30,000 different species of fish. And they're, they're so, they're amazingly diverse. And they are really, all around us in our lives, even if we don't realize that they are there, even if we don't travel, you are still in a way, you know, um, interacting with fish indirectly, if not directly. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it, it's a, a very important topic it is, and I'm so glad you're, you're covering it. Yeah, thank you, with your help. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when we usually start podcasts off, I ask people some questions just to get the note just to get to know you and of course the rest of the podcast will be all about the subject that we have at hand so my question for you today is do you have a certain species 
or type of fish that just like you're so interested in that's your favorite or really just you're in awe with and if you do why is that <laughs> <laughs> um a certain type of fish mm -hmm. um you know to tell you the truth when i first started this organization i i really didn't know that much about fish i really didn't i just knew they were, they were being very abused and very ignored so but the more I learn about them, the more I realize just how truly amazing they are. They're, they are so diverse and, and they, they, they are so um, intelligent and and they have so many qualities that people are, are not aware of. Every day I'm finding out just amazing things about them. Um, there are some that are more spectacular than others, <laughs> but they're all just amazing in their own ways, really. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and I know that um, there's so many things I don't know about fish and sea life and other people as well, so hopefully we can get into some of those things during our discussion. But I wanted to ask you, we know what fish feel is a little bit, but how did you even start this in the first place? Because you and I talked about this just a few minutes ago before we got on the call, but I think it would be interesting to share with people about how fish feel became what it is. <laughs> sure. Well, I had always wanted to work for animals. I was always fascinated with animals and concerned about them. And so I got into animal rights back in like the 1980s. And I really wanted to do the most, help the most animals I could. So I was really focusing on farmed animals. And uh, even though fish are by far the largest number of farmed animals, it just, they just were not on my radar really. I mean, I wasn't eating them stopped eating them back in like uh, the 70s but I still still wasn't really just paying attention to them and it finally dawned on me that if I wanted to help the most animals it really made sense to to try to help fish who were by far the greatest number of harmfully exploited animals suffering some of the worst abuses and they were getting the the, the least attention uh, we have our brochure the cover of our brochure calls them the ignored victims they just were getting so little attention, even from within the animal protection community, even from within the animal rights community. So um, it just seemed natural to to focus on to 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 try to advocate for fishes, and and more to the point to try to get other activists and other organizations and the public in general to to start thinking about fish and and caring about them and and helping them. Yeah, and I, I like what you said earlier that when you started thinking about this, you were kind of like, oh, maybe someone else will <laughs> start this organization, start doing all these things, but then after a while, you just went ahead and did it. It was just such a glaring gap in animal protection. And yeah, so I, I, initially I thought about somebody should start a group, but <laughs> I, didn't, you know, I didn't think I would start the group, but the more I thought about it, and, and it was, just wasn't happening, so, so we started it. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's awesome, and I think that's a good reminder for me to hear and other people to hear is sometimes when you're like, wow, this is a thing. Who's going to start talking about this and do something? Oftentimes, it just has to be you. <laughs> and, you know, once we did start it and we started going to events and, and uh, people started, it started getting on their radar, and activists were really interested, and, and people were, were very, are very receptive to it once they start thinking about it, and and realizing just how amazing these animals are and how deserving they are of, of respect and, and compassion and protection. Yeah. And, and around the same time that we started it, uh, my friend Jonathan Balcom um, published a book, What, what a Fish Knows, which is just a fantastic book that tells all about just how amazing fishes are and uh, some of the um, issues facing them and, and how we can help them. So that was a bestseller published in a lot of different languages. So it was seemed like just kind of perfect timing. Good timing to start everything off together. Right. And, and also vegan seafood started to be uh, oh. something, you know, these more and more vegan seafood products were started being produced and people were coming out with vegan seafood cookbook. Um, so, uh, so it was really, it, it was a time for fish. It was fish's time. It is fish's time. Yeah, that's so good to hear. Um, because actually, one of my next questions was going to be for you is, why do you think we don't 
think about fish and sea life so much? Like, what are some of the misconceptions that we have? Because as you said, that was sort of the time for fish, and it is the time for fish. Um, but I do see it's still not on a lot of people's radars, and until recently, I feel like it wasn't on mine. So why do you think that is to begin with? Well, there's so much cultural bias against fish, really. I mean, really think about what other, an what other animal is it considered not only acceptable, but admirable to not only kill, but to torture, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. fish, so-called recreational fishing is considered so wholesome and so um, therapeutic and, and such a, you know, admirable thing to do. And what you're really doing is you're torturing and killing animals, sen sentient animals. You know, there's nothing sporting about it. It's not a sport. The fish are victims. They're not willing participants. And it's so, it, you know, hunting is cruel. But at least in hunting, the idea is to try to kill the animal with a single shot. That's supposed to be the idea. But with fishing, a big part of it is so-called playing the fish or fighting the fish. They're, you know, they're fighting for their lives, and people are enjoying um, torturing them. You know, and, and then a lot of them will throw the fish back, staying with the hope that somebody else will have fun doing this. You know, it's just so, it's such blatant cruelty. But people are so oblivious to it, and a lot of that is because culture tells us. I mean, think of how many commercials you see for drugs or whatever, um, showing people relaxing fishing. You know, it's just considered such an admirable thing to do. It, and, and the media plays it all up. You know, they so often they'll show someone who's caught this big fish and make a big thing and make it sound like this is such a wonderful thing when they're really promoting animal abuse, blatant animal abuse, animal torture. Yeah, I, I could not agree with you more. And with you talking about that, you know, I've kind of reflected before this podcast with my own relationship with fish, and I went uh, vegetarian in, like, fifth grade and stopped eating animals, but then I went back wow. to eating fish because, you know, at that time, I was really young, and I, I don't think I was thinking about it like I am now, and I thought, oh, fish aren't really an animal. I don't know what I thought they were, um, and it wasn't until I saw a PETA t-shirt with a fish that said, I'm not a vegetable, did I go... Duh, you know, and during that time, I remember, you know, then I went completely vegetarian, then I went completely vegan, and even in high school when I was vegan, um, I remember going fishing once, which isn't vegan at all, you know, that's not, that wasn't in line with my ethics, and I just went because other people I knew were going, and I remember sitting there thinking, what am I doing? This is so weird and, like, messed up, and I remember... You know, at that time, I wasn't as confident in my beliefs and such as I am now. But I remember when I left thinking, I'm so grateful I didn't catch a fish because I don't know what I would have done. Like, that would have just been horrific. What, what was yeah. I doing? <laughs> well, that, I'm really glad to hear you say that. And uh, we actually have a page on our website called Your Page where people explain how they came to um, realize how wonderful fishes are and, and, and respect them. And that'd be a great entry if you want to submit. We'd love to post that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, um, so, I mean, just thinking about people giving up uh, meat. So often they'll, they'll give up so-called red meat. Um, and, and oftentimes they'll stop eating beef and start eating more chicken and fish. And that's really causing so much more animal cruelty because it takes more of those animals to make up the amount of meat. And they also suffer more intensely usually than cattle that are raised for, for beef. So it's, you know, more animals and, and crueler. So it's kind of the worst thing you can do. <laughs> and also, you know, people say they're vegetarian, but they eat fish. That's just a common, common thing, you know. Uh, and I, I did the same thing. I stopped eating other animals, but I was started eating a lot more fish then. So, you know, it just, just goes to show how oblivious <laughs> most people are about, about fish, who they are and, and, and why we should care about them. Totally. And I, you know, I really do. I was reading that page actually before we got on this call about people's stories that your page, I saw your page and I went, Oh, what does that mean? And so it sparked my interest and I was reading some of them and it was actually really um, exciting for me to hear people's stories and them telling about why they stopped eating fish or going fishing and things like that. Because when we look around, sometimes it can seem like no one's really making the connection, but the hopeful thing is that people are making the connection. Um, and, you know, I think another misconception about fish is that they 
and other sea life that they don't feel pain. Can you speak to that a little bit so we can just clear that out of the way right off the bat? Yes. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. That is another reason why people have, you know, not so much concern for fish. So often they say that fish don't feel pain. But that, that's just, first off, you would think that just observing them and seeing what how distressed they are when they're being subjected to cruelty is reason enough to realize that, that they're um, in distress and, and suffering, which is reason enough not to cause them needless harm. Um, but science has shown that they do feel pain. There's, there's actually a book, um, Do Fish Feel Pain? by Victoria Braithwaite. She was professor of fisheries and biology at Penn State University. And she laid out the, the evidence that they are sentient. The, they've done experiments on them. They've, they've done, studied their brains, their, their nervous systems. You know, they have um, nerve, a nervous system, which is, is there to, to let you know something is painful. Mm -hmm. They produce their own opioids, painkillers, um, and, uh, and they respond to, to painful stimuli the way you would anticipate an animal that's suffering would, when it would respond. So the, the scientific evidence is there. Um, the American Veterinary Association acknowledges that fish feel pain. Uh, a lot of scientific groups, or organizations, uh, authorities, um, you know, it's just really willful ignorance to, to think that fish don't feel pain. Yes, and like, I, like you said, I think it goes back a lot to, you know, all the commercials we see about people fishing and relaxing and people on Facebook, Instagram, social media, like, pictures with a fish, I caught a fish, such a relaxing day. And the reality is that that animal is in pain, you know, and they're dying and they're suffering. And um, I really wish that you saw that in those commercials or in the pictures and videos. Well, or think of like a star kissed tuna, with Charlie Tuna, who wants who wants to get caught. He's so disappointed that he's not getting caught, and he keeps trying to get caught as if as if a fish would want to be caught. You know, it's just such a bizarre notion, but it, it's ingrained in our thinking. Yes, it it really is, and you know, this summer there was I've been around the water so much because with quarantine, you know, I haven't been traveling, just kind of staying here and going on many adventures and I've been around water going to waterfalls and I've approached a few people just to say hey you know I see that you're fishing you know that this fish experiences pain and blah 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 and the reactions are just like you know people are just like get out of my face I don't want to hear this I'm relaxing doing my own thing and what I hope people one thing people can really take from this conversation is that it's not just our own thing like what we're doing affects someone else and in this case you know it's a fish or it's other aquatic animals sure just like you know hopefully society is catching on just like uh, with dog fighting or cock fighting they used to be considered you know acceptable pastimes but society finally acknowledged that they are animal abuse and, and they banned them now so hopefully that will be the case for fish too oh I hope so that would be amazing yeah. that would be incredible um, so let's talk about a few different things in let's talk about how we use sea life for food and obviously we use them for entertainment um, and let's talk about how that impacts the environment and the oceans at large um, and, you know, the thing is, is that, like we talked about right before we got on here, I feel like there is a moment where people are starting to care about the oceans, they're starting to care about the environment, and they keep going to plastic. You know, don't use plastic, don't use straws, which is completely valid and good point. Um, but also a huge part of this is let's stop eating the fish and let's stop leaving plastic in the oceans by this, by fishing, you know, in this huge industry. Um... So I would love to hear, you know, your thoughts on what fishing has done to the environment. But before we get into that, do you know of any other groups that are trying to protect fish and sea life? Um, well, there are a lot of conservation groups, you know. Um, there's a lot of uh, conservation groups for aquatic animals, different aquatic animals. Mostly they tend to focus on marine mammals, mm -hmm. but there are also ones that, that focus on fish and other aquatic animals. Um, but so many of these conservation groups, they, what they're concerned about is sustainability. They want there to be enough of these animals around so we can continue exploiting them. That's mainly there. Some of these actually are promoting seafood. You know, uh, they actually there's one Oceana has a book called Perfect Protein, which has a fish on the cover. No. 
which for one thing, it's not the perfect protein by any way, or <laughs> shape or form. And, you know, the, instead of you say, well, uh, aquariums are another good example. You know, here they have all these animals on display, which is problematic in its own right. But then if you go to the cafeteria, they're serving these same animals, you know. <sighs> when they're you think they would be engendering respect and, and, and um, compassion for these animals, but instead they're just kind of, you know, promoting how we can exploit them. So, you know, as far as groups that are trying to advocate for fish and, and other aquatic animals for their own sake, very, very few and far between, really. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't think of any other groups be, beside yours and, like, other broader animal rights groups that actually talked about these things. Um, and that's so true because, you know, when I've been traveling or even things at home, like when I've taken boat tours to go see whales and go snorkeling and things like this, they're talking about protecting the ocean and, you know, conservation. And then they pack a, back, a box lunch for everyone and it's fish. And I've been on these boat tours going, oh my gosh. It's so ironic. It's, it really is. It's, it's so ironic. Um, yeah. So why do you think that it is so important to share this information and protect them when it pertains to the ethical side of it and the environmental side of it? And those two relate. Yeah. Well, you had mentioned plastic, and, and that is great that people are more and more realizing the, the harm that plastic is doing to the planet. And especially to the ocean, so much of it, you know, ends up in the oceans. A lot of that is due to fishing. Most fishing gear, the net are, are plastic, and they get fall apart. They, you know, de deteriorate in the oceans, and they get lost in there. So-called ghost fishing, where you have these huge nets that can be like a mile long, plastic, you know, either forgotten, abandoned, or or um, break away and get lost, loose, and then they continue killing animals in the meantime. And they are in the in the ocean, and they continue disintegrating too. So, and all that. Um, in the meantime, also um, these aquatic animals are eating these microfibers, little bits of plastic, and that's um, getting into their flesh. So, even for people who eat fish, that's a concern for them, along with the mercury and the dioxins and the um, parasites and cholesterol and saturated fat. You know, people promote fish as a health food, and there's really nothing healthy about it. Um, but we can get into that a little bit later. So it's great that people are getting concerned about plastic, but really um, fishing really is doing so much more harm than, than even the plastic because they're really just desertifying the oceans. Every year it's been estimated between like one and three trillion fish are caught from the <sighs> oceans. And that's really a, a conservative figure. It doesn't even take into account the bycatch, the animals that are un unintendedly caught um, and killed along with them. And that includes... Um, say if they're fishing and they have a quota of fish that they're allowed to catch, that if they go over that quota, they'll throw those fish back that are dying. Oh. Or if they're the wrong species that they're not, not the kind they're looking for, they'll throw them back. And, and they're also catching other animals, dolphins and sharks and turtles and birds, so many other different, I mean, hundreds of thousands, countless number of animals that are caught and thrown back that are dying. So it's, you know, really... They say in the last 40 years, it's been estimated, the um, World Wildlife Fund and the London Zoological Association, they did a, an assessment, and they determined that in the last 40 years, 50% of the aquatic populations, the, the aquatic populations have been halved in the last 40 years. And for some of these species, the larger shark predators, predatory species, um, up to 90% of them have been, been, oh. been decimated. Yeah, so, you know, we really are just desertifying the oceans. And these uh, the technology now for catching them has, has increased so much over the last few decades. They have, like I said, these just en enormous nets that they put out there, miles long. They just catch huge, anyone who's out there, they just they catch. Or these um, long line hooks that'll go out from, have um, tens of thousands of hooks on them, just indiscriminately catching whoever gets caught or trawling, where they take nets and just drag it along the bottom of the ocean, catching whoever's in the way and destroying coral and, and other fragile habitats. So it's like taking a bulldozer through through a forest. Um, so really, you know, it's just such indiscriminate catching going on now. And a lot of that that they catch is used to feed farmed fish um, or uh, chickens or pigs. A lot of it is used for 
for animal feed um, or fertilizer or you know other things that are just so so unnecessary and so wrong um, so you know we're really just wiping out and and along with them um, say crab fishing they have these long ropes that go down and whales are getting caught and, and really um, huge population loss of whales because of them getting entangled in the um, ropes the fishing ropes and nets and, and uh, other fishing gear so it, it's you know just really devastating for aquatic wildlife yeah and I, I think what people don't realize which you just talked about in detail so thank you for that um is how much you know this fishing is impacting not only fish but other animals i don't think that that's something that's you know commonly known by people so i think that's those statistics that you just shared are really important and a few of them even made me gasp because i didn't know you know i feel like there's quite a bit of information i see on my timeline personally about fish but I didn't even know about some of those systems that they use to catch fish these days yes those are the main main uh, the three main ways they fish and also um, humans are also affected and you know of course we're all connected so this is, affects us all and uh, you know the the pollution everything affecting fish that people are eating but also um, more directly fishing, has gotten because fish are getting harder and harder to come by because they're they're wiping out the wiping them out. These fishing vessels have to go further and further out, and it costs them more and more in fuel. And they have to they have refrigerated. I mean, they have these huge super trawlers that have big refrigerated units on them, so they can be out there for a year or more at a wow. time. And they can just catch. They have a processing plant right on the the ship. They can go out and catch the fish and process them there and, and, and freeze them and then they have supply ships bringing them supplies and taking the catch back so like I said they can be out there months or a year or even more and because it's gotten so expensive now um, some of these uh, fishing vessels are, are using sl human slave labor tricking people into going out there and because they're out there for so long there's no escape and um, the Associated Press did a big investigation of it a few years ago, and um, they won the Pulitzer Prize for the, their investigation. And they found that when some of these ships actually do go back to dock, they're actually taking the, the, the crew to these remote islands and literally putting them in cages until they could come back. Yeah, so it's blatant slave labor. Um, there's a organization that's really you know been um, publicizing this, and uh, they said that, you know, they have um, evidence of people being, you know, tricked into going out in the first place and, and robbed, not paid, and, and beaten, and even murders. So, you know, this is just, if you're eating fish, you may very well be eating slave-caught fish. Wow, I did not know that, um, but I made a little note, so I think it would be really important to find these, you know, what you were just talking about, where people were documenting it, and we could share that in the show notes of the podcast so that people sure. could check that out. Like I said, the Associated Press, they got the Pulitzer Prize for their reporting, and also New York Times did an extensive um, article on it, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm thinking the name of the organization that's really been exposing this for, for years now. Um, I think it's called the Environmental Justice Project, but I'm pretty sure that's the name of it, but I'd have to double check. Okay. Well, yeah, thank you for, for putting those names out. Hopefully people sure. can start to do research because I had no idea about that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense when you explain it like that. Um, yeah. But, and, wow. You know, um, because so much uh, is, of seafood is, is untraceable, um, there's really no way to track down where it's going. A lot of it is sold here in the U.S. We import like 90% of the seafood that's consumed in this country is imported. So a, a lot of it, you know, you really just don't know where it's coming from. And and you don't know what practices were used. Not that any no. practice is right, but... Yeah, and that's a, a problem with now there's these certification schemes, um, you know, to let you know which fish that are suggested that you eat that, that won't be doing as much... Really, again, they're concerned about not, not the fish well-being, but um, keeping these populations so we can continue exploiting them. Mm -hmm. But again, um, mislabeling is so rampant in the industry. They say a, a third of the seafood sold in North America is mislabeled. So um, even if you get one that's, that's supposed to be certified as you know sustainable, it could be mislabeled, you don't know. And, and it's so 
as you can imagine, so difficult to really assess population, aquatic populations. And now with climate change and, and so many different um, things happening in the ocean, pollution and uh, acidification, all these things that are affecting the populations there, um, you know, it's really just hit and miss. And um, even if they, they, it could be sustainable, it, it'll never be humane. That's actually what I was uh, wondering when you were talking. Are they putting labels on fish because on fish bodies in the supermarket, because I haven't looked in a long time, are they putting labels on fish that say humane, like they do other animals? Uh, not humane. I don't think any of these organizations really take into account humane. They're, again, they're looking more for um, sustainability, that they can continue. That there are enough of these, um, a large enough population of these species that they can um, sustain being fished and, and the populations won't, won't decrease. Right. I think that that's a really good explanation, you know, that they're just trying to sustain the population to kill them. I think when a lot of people see sustainable, they think it means, oh, they're going to be around forever. We can keep doing this and nothing bad's ever going to happen. Yeah. And that's just it's so um, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. talking about the humane side, which it's interesting to hear that they aren't even trying to say, hey, this is a humane caught body or anything like that. Um, what do you think it is that really drives people to think that there's something that's okay about fishing? Like you said, some people are switching from other animal bodies to eat fish instead. And it's almost like the fishing industry has this humane myth going, but they never really had to try, it seems. Yes. Well, I think, um, you know, people, a lot of people eat fish because they think it's a healthful thing to do. You know, we have the government promoting it. We have industry promoting it. We even have health organizations promoting it. But all the nutrients that we derive from fish and from animals in general, we can easily get from plant sources more healthfully and more humanely and more environmentally responsibly. There's nothing in fish that we can't get from, from plant sources. Um, a lot of people eat it for omegas, but you can easily get omegas from um, flaxseed oil, uh, walnuts, flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds. Um, if you really want a concentrated dose, they make algae supplements, so we can easily get it. And, and that way you're not getting the mercury or dioxins or all the other contaminants that come with it. Um, a lot of fish oil can easily go rancid. And if it does, it can create free radicals, which are potentially carcinogenic. So not only is it not helpful, it's actually hazardous to you. And if you're taking it in a gel form, in a like a gel pill, you won't even know if it's gone rancid. You won't be able to detect that smell. Um, so, you know, there's really no reason to be eating it. And yet they keep promoting it, even though they say, like, uh, for children and pregnant women, don't eat too much of it. Well, <laughs> if it's harmful for them, it's not good for us, for anyone else either, you know. So if they have to tell you to limit how much you're eating, you know there's something wrong with it, something bad with it. Yeah. Um, so... You know, it's really a, dis a real disservice that, that the, the um, government and, of course, industry and the health community is doing to, to tell people that they should be eating fish. They, they really shouldn't be eating fish for their own sake and for the other animals' sake. Yeah, and for the sake of the planet, which comes back to us and other animals. <laughs> right. So, you know, like all things, it's all very interconnected. Very, yes. Yes, and it just, the more that I learn about this, like with the statistics and the facts and the practices that, you know, you just told us about, the more I'm realizing how interconnected it is, and we really have to pay attention to this, um, because if, I don't know, to me it feels like it's already gotten out of hand. Does it feel that way to you? Definitely. I mean, you know, like I said, some of these species are down by 90% or more. Wow. So for them to recover, and a lot of them are, especially the the top predators they um don't don't reproduce until they're older and they have you know limited number of, of um offspring so it takes a long time if their population gets taken down it's going to come if they recover you know so it's it's really doing um per, very possibly permanent damage permanent harm um and uh you know and, and there's no reason even if people enjoy the flavor of of seafood. Now there's all these terrific vegan alternatives. There are vegan versions of virtually any kind of seafood, really any kind of food you can imagine there's a vegan version of. And 
you know, they're, they're much healthier for us. They're certainly more humane and, and better for the environment. So on our website, we have um, hundreds of recipes. People are just so imaginative and so creative and replicating textures and flavor. If you really like that uh, oceany flavor, use seaweed. That's really where fish get their flavor from. Yeah. Um, there's, sea, there's seafood cookbooks, vegan seafood cookbooks, lots of vegan seafood products. Now, really, the market for vegan seafood products are just burgeoning now. There's so many coming out all the time. Um, so, you know, it's you can get, get that the nutrients and the flavor, anything you're looking for, you can get it without the cruelty and, and the environmental harm. Yes, that. thank you for um, talking about that, actually, because I wanted to ask you, what can people do, you know, if they listen to this or they're just in their learning process and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much, like, fish were suffering, how bad it was for the ocean and the environment and for my health, what can I do? You just listed, you know, all of these places we can still get the nutrients that we need without harming all of those things. Um, right. And while you were talking, I was remembering this delicious meal that I had when I went to Canada a couple years ago. There was um, a restaurant, I can't remember what exact type of restaurant it was, but they had a whole seafood menu, but it was all vegan. And I had never seen anything like that. I got shrimp and all of these different things that I hadn't had in such a long time, and it really freaked me out a little bit because it looked almost (laughs) like an actual animal, and the flavor was so close to what I had had you know years and years ago when I was a kid that I had to like double check like your menu is vegan right like this is all I mean so people are really doing it up with the food yeah like in in New York there's a place called um, Beyond Sushi I think they have like six different um, restaurants there now and uh, you know um, there's a lot of if you go to Asian restaurants all of them have vegan seafood Um, and again you know we have lots of recipes so if you want to make your own and really, if you serve it with lemon and cocktail sauce or tartar sauce, that those are really the flavors that people associate with, with seafood. That's really kind of what they're looking for, you know. <laughs> totally. And I'm also going to link um, in the underneath this podcast, I'm going to link to that website that you have in the resources where people can start to make their own recipes without using sea life. Um, so that would be awesome. I want to just switch gears a little bit because we've talked about, you know, fishing and eating fish and how that affects other sea life. But could we kind of circle back around a little bit to animals living in aquariums and other animals that are captive for shows and things like that? Um, and how they say that they're conserving populations and they're helping the ocean. Could you break that down a little bit and you know, explain to us the ethics of why we shouldn't go to those places or participate or fund these things. Yes. Well, um, you know, a lot of the, the animals that they have, um, and also for the, the home aquarium trade industry, mm. um, yeah. a lot of exotic fish, there's very few exotic fish that can be captive bred. And even, even captive bred, of course, anytime you're breeding animals for profit, it's going to be exploiting them, and there's going to be needless suffering and death. Um, you know, we shouldn't be treating animals as merchandise, basically. Mm-hmm. But uh, the exotic fish, really, the loads are mostly all wild-caught. And um, actually, the, um, Robert Wintner, he's a, um, a dive instructor in Hawaii, and, and he's also a, um, an activist, and he's been fighting the um, collection industry over there where they go out and capture these fish, and they are actually legislating, trying to get that stopped. And he just came out with the, um, a video, a, a film called Dark Hobby that tells how, how cruel it is to be out there catching these animals and how, um, how harmful it is for ecologically, you know, taking these animals off the reefs, for example. Um, the coral reefs are having a hard enough time as is now with bleaching and ocean acidification and everything. And what happens is um, without the herbivorous fishes to, to eat the algae off the coral, they become overgrown grown with coral and it can, can kill the coral. But they're catching a lot of these fish and using them for the, for the um, selling them for home aquariums or for um, public aquariums too. And, you know, you, they, you can never replicate the ocean, you know, no matter what, how big your, your tank is, you're never going to replicate the, the tides and the, um, the, the wind and, and everything has a, that's the d- diversity and the, the um, chemical makeup of the, of the water. You'll never really capture that. And you're, you're keeping these animals captive for um, human 
entertainment and, and profit and you're depriving the fish of their freedom, the animals of their freedom, and the animals who are dependent on them for food, the other animals out there who are dependent on them for food. Um, and a lot of people go diving, they want to go diving and see the animals in their native you know, habitat and, and they're getting taken away, fewer and fewer are out there to see. Uh, and you're, you know, you're giving the impression that it's okay to keep animals captive. It's not, not unlike a zoo, you know, it's pretty much the same thing as a zoo. You're keeping these animals captive for human entertainment and profit in conditions that, that you can never replicate the wild. And lots of times, you know, um, people with home aquariums, like, for example, betta fish, they keep them in these tiny little bowls, mm -hmm. or even goldfish, keeping them in a bowl, which is so unhealthy for one thing and so cruel for another. Barren environments, when these animals are used to, you know, tropical, um, very diverse environments and all type of different animals interacting with them in their own species, which is what they want to do is, you know, be around their own. And especially for migratory species, think how cruel that is to keep migratory animals captive that way, you know, it must be just maddening for them or animals who are dependent on echolocation. If they're in a little tank, you know, them just must be maddening having the sound bouncing back at you. So it's just a really cruel thing to do. You know, we can learn about animals in other ways. There's lots of people who've never gone to an aquarium and know a lot about <laughs> animals. And now they're coming up with, um, you know, if you really want a home aquarium, you can get these wonderful videos that you wouldn't even know it's not a real a real tank that just have hours and hours of, of footage of, of all kinds of exotic animals that you would never be able to care for on your own. <laughs> so you can have, you know, just get an aquarium and fit it with a TV screen and you can have a fantastic aquarium right there that, that you don't have to spend a fortune on or, um, you know, spend all kinds of time maintaining and trying to keep animals alive and such. Um, so, you know, we, there's so many ways we can learn about animals without keeping them captive. Yes, there there are so many ways, and I that post that I actually made and shared with you, that graphic that I made, I got so frustrated the other day, seeing so many people fishing, and I'm, I really think what people are looking for are to learn about the ocean, or learn about the animals who live in the ocean, you know, fish and other species, and to just be outside and enjoy nature. So, you know, I wrote that thing, and I'm like, if that's what you're really looking for, which really seems like that's what people are looking for, you know, read read a book about them or watch a documentary or you know go stand by the water or go swimming or you know do something that doesn't involve capturing them and killing them right you know i read i go through the news looking for articles about fish and and i so often i'll read them about somebody um that they go fishing for therapy they find a therapeutic oh. and so often they say they don't even care if they catch a fish they just want to be out there on the water so why not just go out there and be on the water or by the water without trying to catch a fish, just go and enjoy it. You know, it's not like you have to feel guilty that you're not trying to catch an animal. Yeah. In the past, there, people may have needed to, to catch fish as a matter of survival, but you know, that's so rare anymore. So few people need to do that anymore. And uh, doing it just for, for pleasure is just, harming animals for pleasure is just wrong. But you know, it's really being promoted by the government, especially for children. They're trying to get children out there now and um, women trying to get more women to go fishing and also um, people with, you know, veterans or people with PST, PTSD, um, you know, try to get them, they're really making a big push to get people to go fishing. They're having these so-called fishing rodeos where they, you know, give kids free um, fishing rods and stuff and prizes and such. And it, what they're really doing is, is promoting animal abuse. It's really a gateway to animal abuse, just telling people it's okay to torture and kill animals for fun. Um, but the fishing industry is the fewer and fewer people are fishing, have been fishing. The fishing trend is going down, thank goodness. Mm. But now these agencies that are dependent on fishing licenses and fees, you know, they're scrambling, trying to get people interested in it. And um, people who make and sell fishing gear, of course, they're trying to promote it. And even boat, the boating industry, a lot of that is for fishing, so they're they're promoting it too. So there's a big push to get people to go fishing, and we're really um, trying to expose that and, and get people to um, thank you so much for talking to those people. I mean, that's really what we need to do. It's not necessary. It's not a healthy thing to do. And uh, there's so many other ways to enjoy nature and, and learn about animals without intentionally harming them. <laughs> I, I could not agree with you more. Um, 
And I want to make a note about that with talking to people this summer because I know a lot of people who do listen to this podcast are um, vegan or they're animal rights activists or just activists in general. Um, and, you know, I feel like other subjects that are more normalized are easier to talk about with people. And for me, you know, when I see someone fishing, like I've said before, I just think, oh my gosh, you're killing someone in front of me. What am I supposed to do? Like, how do you react to this thing that's so normalized? You know, because people end up thinking that you're like this person who's just so out of touch reality, when in fact you're saying, hey, you're hurting someone in front of me. Like, these are the reasons why you shouldn't do that. Can you please not do that? Um, but yeah, it's been interesting like feeling those feelings within myself when I talk to people but I think the more that I do the more that I actually cement that idea in my head that like these are beings who are worthy of living and of us you know speaking up about what's happening to them not for them but you know telling other humans who are doing the violent act like hey maybe don't do that yeah and even if they seem to dismiss you you know hopefully you're planting a seed in their head, something to think about, because up until that point, they may have never even considered it. It just seemed, like you said, so normalized that they just even don't even think about it as being a problem. Um, and, uh, you know, especially with children that we're so concerned about, you know, indoctrinating children to thinking that's okay. And we actually just came out with a children's book called An Underwater Friend about a little boy who goes fishing and, and uh, realizes that, you know, this is actually harming the fish and he befriends the fish and and uh, what happens with them you know and really to get kids thinking about um, just as with other animals fish are, are thinking sensitive uh, perceptive beings that that we should treat with respect and compassion yes I love that because I do feel like a lot of us get taught to fish when we're younger um, and I'm sure that some other kids, like I've felt, and I'm sure, you know, other kids that we know have felt like, this is a weird thing to be doing. Um, so if they did have that resource to read and confirm that, I think that that could be really awesome. Yes. Yeah. Because really, you know, it's, it's teaching kids that, that animals are here to use and abuse at our pleasure. Yeah, when when really I think what a lot of people want to be teaching their kids is that nature is important, you know, animals are important, let's connect with them, and they're really teaching them the opposite when they take them out for a fishing trip. Right. Um, so that is another thing for people listening that we will put a link to in the podcast notes, so if they want to find, um, and they can order your book already, right? Yes, yes. Okay, awesome. So if they want to find and order your book, they can go on there. Um Wow, that's exciting. I know a couple kids in my life that I'd like to be able to send that book just to get those seeds planted while they're little. I'll be sending you a copy, so. Okay, cool. Thank you. I will definitely um, be sharing that with people, and I'm sure a couple people listening to this will be interested in that as well. Um, it's also available as Kindle, and, and now they actually ah. also have an audio version of it, too. So. Oh, okay. That is good to know. Yeah. Kindle and audio version. Um, I'll have to get the details from you for the links for that. Um, so if people are really interested in what you're talking about, they're interested in the book that you were just talking about, and they want to make changes in their life so that they're not participating in, you know, eating animals, they're not participating in fishing and going to aquariums. Um, we've mentioned different things that you can do to not harm animals, and you've mentioned different things that you can eat instead. Is there anything else that you want to add to that list? of what people can do instead. Yes. Well, you hit the two main things, really. First off, you know, don't don't harm animals. Don't be eating them for, for your <laughs> own sake and for their sake. And, and don't be fishing, also. And ideally, if you want to have fish as the companion animals, um, there, are, there are, you can, um, there are animal shelters that have fish or rescue groups, or you, know, you can even go find people who are, no longer can care for their fish and, and take them in that way. But please don't, support the, the, the pet trade, the fish trade, or uh, the animal trade, live or dead. Um, mm -hmm. and, and beyond that, really, we, we so desperately need people to advocate for fishes, for all animals, but fish are so, again, so ignored, and that, that's why we started the organization. So there, there's so many ways you can help fish. Um, you know, online, social media is now, especially with the pandemic, you know, we haven't been able to, to do a lot of external activities, so we've been really focusing on social media. We have a very dynamic Facebook page. We're posting things every day. And, um, you know, you can 
first talk talk to your family and your friends or your, your co-workers let them know that fish do feel pain science has shown that they feel pain and that they are you know sensitive intelligent beings worthy of compassion and respect and and let them know that it's not helpful to be eating them and if you know sharing posts is always terrific social media is such a great way to get get information out and if you hear see someone you know posting about that they've been fishing talk to them about it you know try to get them to realize that it's a cruel thing to do and um, there's articles in the paper newspapers you can write letters to the editor you can um, submit a, an op-ed um, you can call into talk radio shows you know there's so many ways really we just need to engage with the public and get them to realize that the fish are sensitive sentient beings worthy of compassion and respect and um, once people learn more about fish, they realize they, that, that, that they, they should, you know, be, shouldn't be harming them and should be trying to help them. Yeah, but yes, that is very true. And thank you. Those are some great ways that people can advocate for fish. And also just one more, Caitlin, um, please urge other animal protection organizations to include fish in their, their advocacy because, again, they're just being so ignored. Yes, they, they definitely are. Um, and that's good. I actually need to do that to myself because, you know, I often forget about them because I don't, you know, see them physically and then I don't see them on the online presence and different things like that. Um, yeah. So that's a really that's good a reminder. Thing. That is a big thing. You know, we really ordinarily we don't see them so much. So, you know, it's out of, out of sight, out of mind, out of mind. So, you know, we do have to remind people and, and get them thinking about them in, in positive ways. Yeah, and I have just a couple more questions for you. Going off of what you just said, how do you usually start or handle the conversation to get people thinking about fish and ocean life and sea life in positive ways? How do you usually start that conversation with someone? Well, um, you know, it all depends on the, the context, of course. But, you know, when I do presentations, I usually start out by explaining some of the wonderful things about fish that... Um, they, they are sentient, they do feel uh, that they're so diverse and, and really beautiful. There's just so many beautiful fish. There, there are fish who are great parents. There are fish who do what they call mouth brooding, where they actually take the eggs and they'll, they'll brood them in their mouth. They'll um, um, uh, incubate them in mm -hmm. their mouth and, and keep them until they hatch. And even after that, they'll be very protective of them. And if danger comes around, they'll have the babies go back into their mouth. Oh. I imagine they, they won't eat for weeks or, or longer protecting these um, babies. And uh, they're fish who build nests for their young. They're, they have some really elaborate, beautiful courting um, rituals. Um, they're, uh, they'll, they'll actually cooperate with the, not only with each other, but with other species. There are fish who will hunt together. Um, They'll, with, for example, groupers will hunt with um, eels. They're, they're coral reef animals, and the groupers are large animals, so they can't get into the coral reef, but they will actually, if they see prey in the reef, they'll go over and signal to the grouper. They have a certain signal that they do, and they'll try to really encourage the, the eel to come with them, and um, they'll be pretty persistent about them mm -hmm. if necessary. And if the eel comes over, he he or she can get into the reef and, and either catch the prey or flush the prey out. And they've been shown to be much more successful that way than than, um, than working separately. Also octopus, fish and octopus will work together that way. So, you know, they're just, there's so much more to fish. So there's so much more imaginative and so much more perceptive than people realize. So I try to get them to realize just how amazing, they truly are amazing, how amazing they are. And then let them know, you know, the harmful things that, that are happening to them and how it's also detrimental for other animals and, and for ourselves and in also the people who are, you know, enslaved in the fishing industry. Um, and it's so unnecessary, you know, there's, again, there's so many other ways we can entertain ourselves mm -hmm. aside from harming animals and, um, and so many other things we can eat that, that are better for us and better for the animals and the environment. So, you know, it's sort of, um, uh, a, you know, a, a series of issues. Let them know what's, what, who fish are and what's happening to them and, and why it's, you know, no problem for our animals. And our, you know, there, there's just really, there's so many issues with fish that it's, you can just go on all day. Yeah, yeah, I think that, too, an important thing 
is, you know, that information that you presented. Sometimes it's reading your audience, like, you know, what do they care about? And then you can connect it to the other issues that you just talked about. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, you can let them know that, you know, even if, if they are fishing, for example, there are, are people who have fished for, for years, people who are just devoted fishermen, fisherwomen, and, and they realized eventually that it, it was wrong. And that, that's, to me, that's really inspiring that someone, you know, can come, even though they're, they're that engrossed in it, they can come to that, that realization, that acknowledgement, and, and tell other people. And that they can be some of the most inspiring people, you know, because other people who fish um, can connect with them. They realize, oh, here's someone that understands, and they, you know, saw there's a problem. So maybe it's something I should really think about, too. Oh, yes. Have you had people like that share their story on your website under the Your yeah. page? Yes. Go to your page. There's articles there, and not only on our page, but, you know, it's been in magazines. You know, I'm constantly gleaning the news for things, so I'm finding, you know, from all these different sources. But just recently we posted about a guy who was a fishing guide for years. He, was, mm. he would take people fishing, and, and finally he just realized this is such a cruel thing to do. And now he's now he goes golfing instead. <laughs> There's another alternative. Instead of fishing, yeah. go golfing. Right. Oh wow! I feel like that's a story that would be great to share as yeah, well. Um, oh, that's so inspiring, and this whole talk has been really helpful. I think probably for some other people to hear, but also for me because I felt so down about it lately. Just during the summer, with everyone out and about, and just you know harming fish in the name of pleasure. So. Um, Thank you for sharing that with us, and I hope it really inspires some people to work up the courage to talk to people that they see in person or online or, you know, people in their family or their friends about fish and just get the conversation started. Right, and if they need, you know, if they feel they need more information or they want a little more inspiration, um, I hope they'll visit our website, fishfield.org. And we have tons of information there. And again, you know, your page. And we invite people who have come, come through Respect Fish to share their stories. There, we'd love to share their story too. Um, and we have a whole page of vegan seafood uh, recipes and links to products and vegan seafood cookbooks. Um, there's uh, fact sheets there, um, a kids page. We have a kids page. Um, recommended reading. There, it's just, you know, there's poems, there's uh, art, an artistic page. Um, people's tattoos, you know, <laughs> um, just, it's just chock full of information. So we hope people will visit that. I hope they'll go to the Facebook page. You know, every day we're updating that. Um, and uh, again, we have the book, An Underwater Friend, a children's book about against fishing. Um, and, uh, um, and, you know, if anyone has information, has a, would like to get in touch with us, we're at info at fishfield.org. And, um, really just want to help people get the word out. Yeah, thank you. And for everyone listening, their website really is incredible. You know, I looked at it a while ago, and then I looked at it again today to see if there was something that I might have missed that would have been interesting. And there's so many interesting things, like what you just talked about, with the artist page and people sharing their stories. So it really is the go-to, you know, website for all of this information. If you want to hear what Mary talked about, or you want to hear it more in detail or read, you know, the scientific papers and things like that, that's such a great resource. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to add? Um, not that I can think of offhand, but, um, you know, again, this year is so unusual. Usually we're going to a lot of different events, tabling at a lot of events, and we didn't get to do that, so we're doing more social media um, doing that. But um, uh, we just hope that people, you know, will be inspired and, and will care. There's, there's such good reason to care about fish. They, they're as deserving as any other animals for respect and compassion. And the more people learn about them, the more they realize just how, how wonderful and amazing they are. Um, really, again, I want to mention the book, What a Fish Knows. Is if you really want to you know, learn in depth about that, it's a terrific book and um, very informative and very interesting book also. So that's a, another great way to, to become informed. Yay! Thank you so much, Mary. Make the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it. You know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. 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 So I think for us insignificance, 
we have to do it ourselves. A lot of people are doing things in their life that they're not completely happy with, mm -hmm. and they're doing it just because, you know, it's a norm and they feel like they feel pressured by society. Definitely. Or they're just, you know, stuck in this rut. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ruts can be comfortable for people. And they can be very comfortable. Comfort is not how you, how you grow as a person. <laughs>